You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Broadway Gives Back podcast. I'm your host, Jan Svensson. This podcast spotlights Broadway actors, shows, and organizations in their pursuit of social impact and philanthropy. Join us as some of the brightest lights on Broadway share their stories about their favorite charities and how they got involved, and the people and the causes who benefited from these philanthropic efforts. My guest this week made her Broadway debut as Roxy Hart in the hit revival of Chicago. And now she's returned to that show during Broadway's reopening, but this time as Velma Kelly. Bianca Marroquin started her artistic career in Mexico City in productions of Beauty and the Beast, Rent, Phantom, Vagina Monologues, and Chicago. She's also starred in In the Heights and Pajama Game on Broadway. And she played Cheetah Rivera in FX's Fosse Verdon and will soon star in Apple TV series Acapulco this fall. Bianca is also the Viva Broadway ambassador, helping to bridge the gap between Broadway and the Latinx community. I'm so thrilled to have her here today. Bianca, my friend, welcome to the Broadway Gives Back podcast. Jan, it's so good to speak to you. So good to hear your voice. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I feel so lucky to know you. You are one of the most beautiful people I know, both inside and outside. Hmm. Um, I was wondering if we could play a little game where I ask you some rapid fire questions so that our listeners can get to know you better as well. Are you game, <laughs> are you, are you game for that? I'm game. Okay. <laughs> All right. So what is the first thing you notice about somebody? <sighs> if they make eye contact with you, their eyes. Yeah. So Halloween is coming up. What is your favorite costume? I remember... I'm very proud of a Wonder Woman costume I made for myself. I think this was 2014. And I went to this party at the Soho house I was invited to and I made it all. I sewed it, I did it all myself and I, I truly felt like a Wonder Woman. You are a Wonder Woman. <laughs> so Bianca, if I had a time machine and I could transport you anywhere in the world to any time, where would you go? Any time with my mother. Because I, I, she passed 14 years ago, and I need her now more than ever. And so I dream about her a lot. So I would give anything to have, like, a, a lunch with my mother, to ask her so many questions. <laughs> now you're making me cry. Um, <laughs> describe yourself in three words. Energetic, honest, and music. <laughs> what do you most give a damn about? Justice. 
What is the biggest mistake you think you've ever made in your life? Being afraid of taking on some challenges in my past during pandemic, the things that woke me up in the middle of the night were those opportunities that I, that I let go by. And what are you most proud of? I am most proud of not giving up, not giving up. And, and um, every time, doesn't matter where, any show that I, that, that I do right before, I'm, I'm very grateful. I say a little prayer, I'm grateful. And I'm proud of the person I've become and the, the, the place where I'm standing now, because now is the perfect moment and is the only thing we have now, now, now. And right now, what are you most grateful for today? My husband, my marriage, Chicago, my new challenge, Velma, and uh, the audience. Every time we start that show and I hear them yell and scream, it takes a lot for me not to cry and yell with them. And, uh, and just the strength that I am grateful for getting every single night to be able to come up there and be their Velma. I'm so happy you're here today. We were talking yeah. we were talking before this recording that it's been many years since we actually were in person together and it's just so nice yeah. to see you and talk to you. Finally, I know. When you come to New York, we have to go get, have one of our famous lunches. Let's do that. Yeah. So, I wanted to start with some timely topics. Um this is Hispanic Heritage Month and you are the ambassador for Viva Broadway. Um and you I helped actually start that program back when I worked at the Broadway League, which is how we met. And yes. I wondered if you could just talk a little bit about your role and how the program is doing now, because I'm actually curious to hear too. Yeah. Well, I am very excited on, on that note to talk about that during Chicago, we're going to have a, a Viva Broadway night. I'm very proud of Chicago for actually taking it on and dedicating a whole show and a whole evening to Viva Broadway. We've come a long way. I'm very proud of that. Throughout the years, we've done you know, events, and it's our job to sort of let the Latino community know that Broadway is for them as well, um, to sort of attract them and let them know that there are Latinos and Latinas representing, that that people from their community are on Broadway in, in, the, in productions all over, and to let them know about the latest news, right? Who's in, who's out, some discounts, what are the events that... Um, the latest one that I am so proud of was the Times Square massive concert that we had between shows on a Saturday, my first weekend back in Chicago. And I'm like, of course I'm there. I don't care, but it's your first weekend back. I don't care. I'm going to do this. I need to be there. And I opened the show. So like when my curtain came down exactly at five, the concert started at five. I got out of my costume and I put whatever wardrobe, big color that I was going to wear. And I made my way from 49th Street to 44th. And there was a stage and they were waiting for me and I came out and it was such an honor to go back in time. This is about 11 years, 10 years back in time when I was part of In the Heights on Broadway and I did Daniela for four months and they allowed me to open the show with Carnaval. So there to see all the Latin community that came out to support and more, to see this amazing lineup that, that uh, Luis Salgado and Gabriela Garcia put together. I was so proud of them for directing this and, and then meeting with all the Latin artists backstage and coming together. And, you know, it was just, it was explosive. And that's when it hit me. We've come a long way. Yeah. And this is just the beginning. 
Indeed. But speaking of that, you know, a few weeks ago, we had the Tony Awards and um, I was there listening to Matthew Lopez as he became the first Latino playwright to win a Tony Award for The Inheritance. Uh, yeah. And I started thinking about, you know, there's roughly about 50,000 or so active members at Actors' Equity, but only 3% are Latino. And the statistics for writers, directors, and producers is even less. Um, mm -hmm. But yet the Latino community makes up 19% of our population. So I just wanted to talk about like, how do you think that we can move these numbers to be more representative of our country? And with Broadway's reopening, what do you think that means for the Latino and Hispanic communities? Well, of course, there is a, a big light shining on uh, now with in inclusion and diversity and it's people are speaking up and people are saying, raising their hands and say, hey, what about us? Hey, everyone, everyone, all, all uh, races and cultures. Um, and I think it's very important to remind everyone that this is, I mean, United States, we're, it's made of everybody. And we're all here and we've always been here. That's the thing, mm -hmm. you know, like I've been a part of Chicago for 20 years this month, the 24th. It becomes officially 20 years that I, um, um, that I, <clears throat> form part of the fa Chicago family. And this is the very first time that we have three Latinos on stage at the very same time. Ana Villafaña as Roxy, me as Velma, and our beautiful Paulo Sot as, uh, as Billy Flynn. And they ask me, wow, you know, it, it, this is amazing. And I say, yeah, it's nice to have more people with me for the longest time. It, it, I, was, I felt in a way like, so alone not mm -hmm. until i came to in the heights was the very first show where i felt part of a, the latin community lin manuel like paved a huge path and he's one of these pioneers that said oh no i'm gonna get my voice is gonna be heard and i'm gonna include everybody i'm gonna call upon everyone with his this powerful show in the heights is still playing everywhere and it's still sounding the movie juice came out like it's gonna it, you know it takes people like him and to shine lights upon our writers and our choreographers and our producers and Sergio Trujillo, mm -hmm. you know, and Salgado, and it, there's and Graciela, Daniel, and it, it, people have been here all the time. It's just we need to 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 give them more platforms so they can keep inspiring other upcoming aspiring uh, professionals, artists. But but I think it's a good time for everybody to step up step up and that's why i feel so proud of everyone and these events we got to keep them going you know and uh i hope that it, we have more a year because i feel that there's very few productions or events or parties or celebrations i think there needs to be all year round and not just in october <laughs> yes agreed it should just be part of our you know normal life right mm-hmm um, well, you know, Lynn and his dad, Luis, have been guests on this podcast. Um, mm -hmm. Anna has been a guest on the podcast and Luis Salgado. So yeah. I feel like, you know, these topics are so timely and so important to discuss. So I'm really excited that you're here too. Thank you. You know, when I when I thought of the idea for this podcast, I was thinking about philanthropy or social impact, charity, cause, purpose. There's so many words for this, being of service, giving back. Mm -hmm. And I... Um, that's really the, the the main theme of this podcast. And I wanted to ask you, in your personal life and in your professional life, what causes are important to you and, you know, and why do you get involved? Well, since I, because everybody has a different journey, right, of mm -hmm. how we got 
to New York, my journey started in Mexico. I was born in Monterrey, Mexico, and I started my career down in Mexico City. The reason I speak English is because I grew up on the border. So I lived in Matamoros, but I would cross the bridge every morning to go to school in Brownsville, Texas. And that allowed me to grow up with both cultures and both traditions and both languages. And here I am now, thanks to my mother, who was a Latina born in Texas. And because of her, I have the privilege of having the dual citizenship. So all that to say that when I was in Mexico City starting my career, I started becoming involved with giving back by singing at a lot of benefits and finding those organizations that were important to me, like kids to begin with. Mm. Um, Aquí nadie se rinde, nobody, here nobody gives up is, is a organization that I've supported for many, many years. Um, and this was my friend's little cousin, Andres, died of leukemia and then his mother Laura, such a warrior such a warrior um, mm. started this organization and helps kids with cancer and has always invited me to do all these events to raise money for it and that's when i that's the first like like sort of event that organization that i became a part of and then i started saying yes to all these people that started um including me and asking me for for help. Mm -hmm. I said, of course. And I'm like, but what, how much do you charge to sing at this benefit? Nothing. If I can, people are listening and they want to come hear me sing. And if I can help you raise money, that is my, I mean, I've received so much in my own life, the support of my parents to, to do this career, to do what I love, which is already huge, right? And all the obstacles and challenges that came my way. And, and I'm so grateful for everything I've received. My way of giving back is saying yes to organizations that need my help and so that in also for instance something that i did a lot during pandemic was saying yes to all these master classes that people started to to ask me for universities mm. and that was my way of giving back after being busy being, being really busy never ha really having the time when we were working or, or pre-pandemic so i took the time to connect on zoom and give them like a three-hour class um a dance class and sharing my experiences, everything that I've learned. And that's what I also, oh my God, this is the best connection and the best way to give back. Give it, give it to the new generations. Mm -hmm. Tell them everything you learned and everything that I learned the hard way. So maybe you can save them time. Maybe if they're listening and they're, and they're willing to open up their minds and learn and receive this from me, that is huge for me. If I can some way motivate, inspire somebody to continue on their path and say, hey, it's not easy. A little girl from Matamoros, Tamaulipas got to Broadway. If it happened to me, it can happen <laughs> to you, hmm. right? Uh, when I got married two years ago, my husband and I, and the invitations, gifts, they said gifts. I said, no, 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 gifts. Donate to these two organizations, which was the Aquí Nadie Se Rinde. And the other one was when all um, the, you know, the whole situation with the kids being separated from their families down on the at the border, the border and yeah. that was my my border mm. so i we found we dug in like looked for organizations and put those links onto our invitations and we had people do that and so any little chance i i can get any invitation i get bianca can you sing at this bianca can you come and speak at this bianca can you whatever i'm like sure i'm there i'm there you don't need to ask me twice but there's nothing there's nothing i don't worry about it <laughs> i can do it for that it's just a natural way also as human beings on this planet to you you get you receive and you give and that is the normal cycle 
To the folks listening to this podcast, Bianca, what kind of advice would you give them? I'm assuming that people listening are interested in philanthropy and giving back. And, you know, how do like how do people do that? How do people start, you know, not everybody has your amazing talent. Um, so how should people, what advice would you give people to give back? Even just the, um, like whenever I watch documentaries or whenever I, and 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 then I, I become very compassionate about somebody's story that inspired me and I go Google them and I look, how mm. can I help this person? Or, And then I find their go, GoFundMe or their uh, platforms or websites or, you know, and, and just supporting that way. Just find something that moved you, something mm -hmm. that you believe in, somebody that you want to help out, some injustice that 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 makes you feel uneasy about and do something about it. That's it. And oh my God, we have our phones, we have the 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 luxury, and it's so easy to to look and explore and Google uh, uh, on anything. All the information is out there, and so easy to find. And it's just if you, it's just find something that moves you and that you want to make a difference. And you want to help this person out? Any little cent helps. Even even all these organizations of helping the, the children, starving children all over the world. You know, just being a part of something. You don't need to be a, 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 an artist, a singer, or any anything talented person. None of that. You just need to have a heart. You just need to have a good heart and the want to give. Because trust me, that that's the way the universe works. When you give and you help, it comes back to you and other different kinds of blessings in your life. You'll see that it's only natural. Did you do you feel like you learned um, or saw it modeled from your parents on how to be a socially responsible person? What did oh, like when you were growing up? How, like what ex, what experiences did you have watching them? Oh, for sure. First of all, my father is a doctor, um, anesthesiologist, and I would work in my summers as a little girl and put my scrubs on <laughs> and go to the clinic and and be with the nurses, and they would teach me how to like it with the babies were just born they would teach me how to i don't that, that thing that sucks out the mucus from oh, the babies, yeah, little bulbs. Yeah, the, yeah well i don't even like i remember doing that mm -hmm. they would allow me to like hold this like this and let's make little cotton balls for this or let's make that for the babies or for the mothers that just delivered and they would give me little tasks right like that right so they they make me work and then we go to the kitchen and i'd see all the, the food being made and i deliver the food with the nurses to the to the patients and mm. then I would sit and talk to the patients mm. and just talk to them and because they were lonely or whatever and then they tipped me and I'm like what is this <laughs> oh they just said to for the little girl please give her this and I, and I started like why it's just some it's it's a it's a gesture it's something they're grateful so they're giving you this and I started learning about that I didn't do, do it for the tips I enjoyed always speaking to people and, and making people laugh entertaining them, spending time with them. And that's my dad. And then my mother, she was the administrator of the clinic and just watching her, how she treated all the nurses and the doctors and how active she was. And then she, cause we were raised Catholic and every Wednesday she would go uh, teach catechism. So she would go to poor uh, neighborhoods and teach the ladies, give them, take milk for them and bring them, you know, things that they were, they were, lacking and teach them about how to be a housewife, how to be a good wife, how to be a good mother, how to create their homes and to make them into like homey, cozy places, peaceful, harmonious places for their kids and for their, how to run a house. 
And so my mom did this a lot. So I watched her and how she, every time I went to church with her every Sunday, the way she would speak to all the people on the streets and, and talk to everybody, treated everybody equal. And imagine that, that was my example, this lady. Yeah. I've talked about this on my podcast before, but I also lost my mother and she was definitely my inspiration as well. So yes, every time they ask me, who do you look up to? Who's your, you know, inspiration? It's my mom. Mm -hmm. It's my mom and just how humble she was, but how gracious and how grand and how super smart and just so classy, but at the same time, so down to earth. So that's what she taught me. I do think that like the seeing that modeled, you know, as a child, seeing that philanthropic, that charitable heart really does mm -hmm. make such an impact on people. And that's those small acts of kindness, right? Of just yes. being kind people and giving back. That's right. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So let's talk a little bit about the arts because um, your career has been amazing. And I did 20 years in Chicago. That's just amazing yeah. in that Chicago family. So now you're back in the family again, but you've switched roles this time. So yes. I have to ask you, how does it feel to play Velma instead of um, Roxy? Oh my God. First of all, I've had the privilege of having this long relationship with the longest American musical uh, running show, you know, Broadway history. So just that alone has been an honor. Roxy, I've grown up with her. I've explored with her. I have matured in every way with this role. And all of a sudden after pandemic, they call me and say, what do you think about coming back? But this time as Velma. And I remember just freezing, going, oh, my God, feeling my, all the butterflies in my stomach. And I knew this was an amazing opportunity. And they said, it's going to be a challenge, but a delicious challenge. And that's, and I, that's what I always preach. If it scares you, do it. Hmm. More the reason. If it scares you, it, you should be doing it. Because that's what we're here for, uh, conquering our fears and getting out of our comfort zones because nothing blooms in comfort zones. So if you want to keep learning, growing, it's there. It's it's in the challenges. It's in the uncomfort. Un so that's why, to begin with, I said, of course. And now it's like a mind screw, if you may, because uh, Velma's very different in every way. Her personality, her characteristics, her journey, her path. And then th th dance-wise, she's more athletic and she's more aerobic. So the choreography is very, very, very different. She's shot out of a cannon for each one of her numbers. And it's, it's just crazy, the stamina that I have to, you know, build. And also vocally very different and in many, many, many ways. And at the same time, you have my ex-role, 
right there in front of me the entire time. <laughs> right. So you in your head, you're like, going, I know that. I know that. Yes. <laughs> so what a challenge because my brain wants to go there automatically. I hear an entrance. I hear a music that my, every single part of my body responds to. Even if I'm over here, not even looking, my arm will want to go on stage. <laughs> if I hear some, some, imagine 20 years of listening to the same cues, right. that that's my cue to go down the stairs and be ready. Or that's my cue to like, <gasps> and, and I still go through that. Uh, we, this is our third week. And I'm still, my Velma's with pins and needle. I have to be super focused on every single num number. Uh, Sister Act, Velma takes a stand. They're so, so difficult and intricate. And it takes my entire brain to be there because I, if I place the chair uh, a little off, I kill myself. You know, I'll <laughs> hit myself, I'll bruise myself, I'll fall off the chair, I'll, something will happen, I'll, you know, go out of my center. And that's what's so delicious about it, too, being a dancer. Uh, this is what we look for, the challenges, the things that will make us work and sweat and bleed. And I have bruises and scratches everywhere. And it feels amazing because <laughs> dancers, if it bleeds, it's good. you know. So when you have your Viva Broadway um, uh, performance, um, on, well, you said October 18th, right? Yes, October 18th. So some parts of it are going to be in Spanish, right? Yes, little little gifts, little gestures here and there to include because I know that we're going to have a lot of Latino press in the house and uh, not too much. We don't want to, you know, disturb, uh, you know, go out and turn our show into something different, but just little things to acknowledge and to celebrate and be proud. What do you feel like is on the horizon for you? I know you have a concert coming up in November too, right? Where's that? Yes, What's thank that? you. That, the Green Room 42 I'm returning this November 10th. It's a Wednesday, my day off from Chicago. Uh, Shannon Lewis is going to stage it for me. She's going to be helping me, collaborating with me. I can't wait to work with this goddess. I love her and admire her so much. And this beautiful, uh, young, talented musical director, his name is Sean Forte, and I also invited him. So everything is fresh and new, and, and I'm very proud of the song list and the story you know, coming from pandemic, everything that we've learned, I consider myself a different person after pandemic and, and a very, very fortunate person. Let's talk about that. What have, what have you been doing for what, I mean, how was the pandemic for you? I mean, I know that's a crazy question to ask, but you know, everybody's had their own story and their own journey through the last 18 months. What's, what's happened for you? Well, of course, you know, it wasn't easy. This is what we came to the world to do and our mission, the stage, music, dance, singing, working, and all of a sudden it doesn't exist. The curtain comes down, lights are off, and and that's it. So everything that comes with it, with the uncertainty of when does it come back, does it come back? Who am I now? If I don't do this, what's my identity now? Mm. What do I do? I don't, and so reinventing yourself and try to focus your energy and other things. So the master classes and the teaching, if you may, became a very important thing in my life. But also my stepkids, spending time with them and focusing on them and helping them throughout their experience with pandemic. You know, the kids suffering, not going to school and their friends and the lack, lack of social activities and, and all of that and being home and helping them with uh, doing schoolwork at home and doing their school at home. Yeah. How old, how old are they? I've got four stepdaughters. Whoa. So now, <laughs> now they're 16, 13, 12, and eight. Wow. So yeah, I ran a whole school at home. And so I was my own Mary Poppins and, <laughs> and Maria 
and, and because I I did those two shows. Right, so I know. So you're conjuring those roles, right, as you're sitting there. Did I know they were preparing me? It was like a premonition, right? So life imitating art, which was kind of like spooky. Mm. But that's what I that's what I did. Family in our home. We, my husband and I, were so fortunate to buy a home upstate. So we ran from the city in last July. And we were just uh, concentrated on our building our home and putting our home together and uh, getting through the pandemic and making it as as fun and um, harmonious as we could for for the girls. Where were you when like the week of March, uh, whatever, March 9th or 10th, where were you that week when everything shut down? I was at Susan Stroman's apartment. We were getting ready to do a workshop for New York, New York with John Kander's mm -hmm. music, mm -hmm. them, them both collaborating. And I was very lucky to have been invited to do a role in that. And so I had just left her house when then we received the email that evening or in the morning saying, okay, everybody paused. And then I had just finished one of my TV shows in Miami. So that had just concluded. And then I was getting ready to do another concert of mine, which I had to cancel. And all the concerts that I would do, I was doing with John Kander, Chicago in concert, very different from, from the Broadway version. This is with a symphony. We had done Dallas and we had done Kansas City because he's from Kansas City. And then we had to also stop that other concerts that I was doing in San Diego. That is, is, is um, resuming now in San Diego, actually October 22nd and 23rd, which I will take some time off Broadway to go do this because mm -hmm. I already had this before Velma. So I built it into my contract. And so we did do the workshop, the, the John Kander and Susan Stroman's workshop during pandemic over Zoom, two weeks, six to seven hours each day from Monday to Saturday. And we recorded three or four takes of every single scene. And we had to learn how to use GarageBand and order all this lighting equipment and sound equipment. And it, so that we could do this at home, create our studios. And uh, it was very fascinating the way they did this and we did it. And they did a presentational video in the end. We were invited to watch in December and everybody with a glass of wine, we watched the, the, the stars of all of this were really the editors mm. who put together an amazing mm. sh virtual show. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen with that, but I hope something good, but we all learned and it allowed us to still sort of work and connect, sing and dance. And it was, it was beautiful. It's amazing how things people have adapted and the resilience and now the comeback. So it must have been the the first night you were back on Chicago on stage. What was it like with the audience? At, like well, I guess when the curtain came up, it must have been just yeah. incredible, right? Yes, because apart, I mean, it was a new role for me, so I was very nervous about that. And then I'm in the elevator because, as everyone knows, the iconic entrance of Velma Kelly in Chicago is to the elevator. And mm -hmm. so I'm down loaded into the hole, right? <laughs> Waiting. So from the beginning of the show. And so I hear everything and I'm right there in between all the musicians and the audience was just going wild. And I was so emotional and I was so worried and praying, please God, give me the strength to come up <laughs> as their Velma with all the, the confidence and the um, strength and and that was, please allow me to sing this song without crying, mm. you know, because it was so, so emotional. We were all so grateful to be back. And it was just a massive 
emotional explosion in that theater that day. And the weeks to follow, it didn't, we thought, oh, it's just, it was just because it was the first night back. No, it's still happening. Wow. It's still happening because we, we still have audiences, you know, that are coming back for the first time after missing the theater. It was theater also, the lack of theater also happened to them. Exactly. They were missing it. They missed it. They missed it. And they value it so much to sit and have two and a half hours or two hours and 45 minutes of, of, um, take them away from their everyday lives to, you know, to vibrate in another frequency that heals and that exports you and that allows you to dream and it allows you to, again, be inspired and be motivated. That's so true. I am one of them. So I felt that way for sure. I have to say though, when I went back to my first show, like the first half hour, I was I don't know. I was having this weird sensation in my body. Like I wasn't comfortable. It took me like a little while to kind of settle in, you know? Yeah. But then, you know, then it's fine. You're double masked and you're just, you know, trusting everybody and feeling that exchange of energy with your fellow theater goers and with all the people on stage and the musicians and the story. And it really was, it was just incredible. So, well, and I guess we just have all become more flexible and who knows what will happen in the next few months or the next year. And, um, I think you're a perfect example of how people learn to be flexible flyers, you know, and they learn to pivot. And you did an amazing thing where you had this full life and then you changed your full life to a digital life and helping your yeah. stepdaughters and yes. um, cooking and taking care of your plants. And now you're back. And um, <laughs> do you feel like you have a different sensibility right now? Do you feel like there's a different kind of um, balance in your life that you want to keep from sort of the pandemic life to the real life or the post-pandemic, whatever we're in right now, For sure, Liv- living with great, the pandemic life? Yeah, that's a great question because like I said, I think we all were not the same people hmm. after pandemic and everything that we were allowed to live and to taste us as performers, gypsies being on the road on, on the, you know, on airplanes, living out of the suitcase hotels here and there all of a sudden we stopped and took the time to live a personal life. You, I think we're all going to miss it a little bit. It's hard to like explain to my, 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 my girls, right? Like, uh, sorry, I wasn't there. I get home when you're asleep. And then in the morning I try to get up with them sometimes, but, but Velma kicks my butt. <laughs> so it doesn't allow me. So I have to sleep to recover in every way. Roxy, I could do with my eyes closed. Mm. Literally just had to put my heart in it. And that was it. My body responded, but Velma really takes a lot out of me still. I, I'm not in the moment where I can just do lots of other activities. Uh, right now I can only feed her. <laughs> I don't think people, I don't think people realize, you know, how much it takes it to takes. become yeah. Velma, right? Every single yeah. performance. Oh yeah. But you know what? I'm, I'm so proud of you. And I, I love Thank the fact you. that you've taken on this new role and this challenge. And, um, you know, any last words to people about sort of this idea of being grateful or giving back, being philanthropic, exactly. philanthropic? Well, giving back always like uh, take a little bit of time to go out of your little little bubble and see what's going on out there and see how you can make a difference. It, it's just a wonderful feeling to give back. And I think one of the, the things that I learned on during the pandemic was paciencia y fe, which mm. is uh, one of the, you know, patience in, and faith and in, in patience and faith and in, in, in the heights. And boy, did that come in handy. And it was the only way to live and survive during pandemic, you know, trust that there's a reason why all this is happening. Trust that there is light after this darkness, that there is beauty and art 
out of this this suffering or pain or this loss mm. um, and patience to let it all unroll, just let it happen. You know, do your part, but the, let the universe do its art. And and uh, the, the best way is also to find find the ways to give back and help somebody. Those are perfect last words. Thank you. You've inspired me so much. Oh, thank you, Jen. Thank you so much for being part of this podcast. Of course. Thank you for inviting me. It was so good to talk to you and to see you again. Love you. I love you too. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Broadway Gives Back podcast. Broadway Gives Back is part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Special thanks to my producing partner, writer, editor, and friend, Jim Lochner. And thank you to everyone at BPN, including Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, and Kimberly Garris. I'd also like to thank Julian Hills from the Bulldog Agency and Eric Becker from Broderick Street Music. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you stream your podcasts. You can also follow Broadway Gives Back on Facebook and Instagram at Broadway Gives Back Podcast and on Twitter at Broadway Gives. To learn more, visit bpn.fm slash Broadway Gives Back. Thanks so much. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.